0: Hi, and welcome to Hella Healthy, the world's sickest podcast. I'm Dr. Serenity Della Porta, your guide on this journey through health. Thanks for joining me again after an impromptu spring break. As I will share with you later today, it's been getting harder to juggle this podcast with my other responsibilities, which has affected the frequency of episodes. Luckily, one of those responsibilities is working in my garden, and spending all that time outside has been lovely. Before we jump into today's topic, I want to take a moment to catch you up to speed on the plans for this podcast. It is important to me that I take the time to research and craft an informed message for each episode, and this takes lots of time. I thank each listener who has been joining me along the way. I have enjoyed the opportunity to share this detailed information with a wider audience. And if you have been listening and enjoying the podcast, I would appreciate a review and a rating. That goes a long way. I will be doing a few more episodes of this season and then taking another break for about a month or so to regroup and I'll come back for season two. Now that we've covered that, today I will be talking about goals Whether explicit or subconscious, we all have goals for our lives. Some of the things we do bring us closer to our goals, while other things we do take us farther away from them. Sometimes we are strategic, sometimes haphazard. What does the research say about how to set health-related goals and successfully accomplish them? I will discuss the factors that increase the likelihood of success as well as factors that can be obstacles to goal achievement. When it comes to goals, psychologists refer to this process as self-regulation. Self-regulation is made up of all the ways we control our thoughts and behaviors in order to accomplish the things we want to do. Psychologists have identified two main categories that capture the process of self-regulation, setting goals and striving for goals. Different factors are important in each of these categories, so it's useful to separate them out. First, before you can set your goals, you need to think about your values and intentions. Values refers to the things in life we believe are most meaningful and important. For example, family, work ethic, and curiosity can all be things that people value. Our values should actually guide our intentions and our goals. However, if we are not mindful, our goals can end up misaligned with our personal values, which causes distress and dysfunction. If you don't clarify your personal values first before setting important intentions and goals, you might end up with a life characterized by inauthenticity and riddled with what psychologists call cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance refers to the inner tension we feel when our behaviors conflict with our beliefs. Values are our most closely held beliefs, and behaviors that conflict with our values cause a great deal of this inner tension. This is why my first piece of advice to any person looking to set goals for themselves is to identify your values and let those lead the way. If you have trouble easily identifying your values, you can find personal values inventories online, and there are professional psychologists like myself who offer services that can help you clarify your personal values. I discussed intentions quite a bit on the Hella Different episode, which covered health behavior change. As I mentioned there, intentions are great predictors of behavior change. Goal intentions. Are broad mental representations of the desired outcome. These intentions need to be matched with goal commitment and translated into a specific goal that can be measured. For example, you might have the goal intention to improve your sleep habits. Translating that intention into specific goals might look like committing to get to bed by 9 p.m. each night and getting eight hours of sleep at least five nights a week For the next 30 days. As you are well aware, many of our intentions do not become reality. It is common to fail to act upon goal intentions. Research shows that setting a goal intention does motivate individuals to act by creating a sense of urgency, but we are much more likely to follow through when we have also committed to the goal. Better yet is to make that commitment public by sharing it with friends or family who can hold us accountable. Thus, the first three steps for the best way to set goals are as follows. First, identify your personal values. Make sure you are clear on what matters most to you. Second, identify the goal intention. What is the general outcome you seek? Third, Specify the goal or goals more concretely and make a commitment, ideally sharing that commitment with at least one person you are close to. Although most people value health and want to be healthy, several barriers stand in the way of people setting health goals. People may be unaware of the health consequences associated with their behaviors. For example, having close, meaningful relationships and avoiding loneliness is key to health, as I discussed on the Hella Lonely episode, but few people appreciate the significance of relational health, and many are unaware of its connection to health outcomes. It is easy to overlook setting relational health goals because people are unaware of the consequences of not prioritizing relational health. Even when people are aware of the health consequences of certain behaviors, they may not feel personally vulnerable to those consequences. I've discussed the importance of whether or not we feel vulnerable to developing health problems on several previous episodes. Feelings of invulnerability around health can prevent people from feeling motivated to change behavior to preserve or promote their health. Why would they change if there is no negative consequence to be avoided? This is why messaging around risk that helps people better understand the likelihood of certain health events occurring can be very useful in promoting health behaviors. Another reason people might not set health goals is due to information overload and the confusing, conflicting nature of all the health information available. No matter the health question you have, you are likely to find conflicting viewpoints and often from sources that all appear to be legitimate. It is hard for most people to differentiate the real experts and good research articles from the pseudo experts and the predatory journal articles. Instead of being able to easily identify good evidence and then working to interpret it, each of us has to start by sifting through tremendous noise. Because of this, many people avoid the whole process or rely upon shortcuts that can lead to misinformation or misinterpretations. Research indicates there are ways to overcome these barriers and help people feel more inclined to set health goals. Increasing positive emotions, enhancing feelings of self-worth, and affirming people's connections to others all appear to help people overcome these barriers and set health goals for themselves. If you are struggling to feel motivated to set any health goals at all, start there. Think about ways you can increase positive emotions by doing something you enjoy, like listening to music or reading a book. Try practicing daily affirmations that center around your self-worth and connection to others. You might say things to yourself like, I am worthy and valuable, or many people care about and feel connected to me. These kinds of activities can help you feel more open to setting goals, and give you that extra push of motivation you need to act upon it. Once you are ready to set a goal and you follow the steps of clarifying your values and intentions, the exact goal you select will influence your likelihood of success as well. Goals that are framed in terms of approaching a desired outcome are much more likely to succeed compared to goals that are framed in terms of avoiding an undesirable outcome. This is referred to as approach versus avoidance goals. Approach goals have been shown to be much more conducive to success across multiple studies. It is better to have the goal of being more physically active than the goal of not being sedentary. Though this might seem like semantics, there's good evidence indicating this framing actually does make a difference in terms of likelihood of success. Another important aspect of setting goals is whether the goal is based on performance or mastery. Performance goals focus on the achievement of some specific standard, for example, getting a particular GPA. Mastery goals, on the other hand, are focused on the development of some skill, with performance goals not meeting the specified standards is typically viewed as an indication that the person's ability is inadequate. With mastery goals, however, setbacks or failures are typically viewed as a necessary part of improving that skill and are not as likely to be interpreted as indicating a lack of ability. In this way, mastery goals promote self-efficacy and perseverance. Performance goals, on the other hand, make navigating setbacks much more difficult. As I talked about on the Hella Different episode, self-efficacy refers to how confident we are in our ability to successfully carry out particular behaviors. Self-efficacy has been shown to be a key predictor of behavior change. The more confident we are in our abilities, the more likely we are to follow through when we want to change our behavior. This really drives home the importance of setting more mastery than performance goals, especially in the context of health behaviors. Mastery goals might remind you of a growth mindset, if you are familiar with that term. In fact, they are very much related to having a growth mindset. In addition to focusing our attention on growth and learning, mastery goals have been found to have a greater likelihood of success. If you need to set performance goals, they work best when embedded within mastery goals. For example, you might have the mastery goal of being a good psychology student and learning a lot about human behavior. This can be paired with a performance goal of getting an A in your introductory psychology class. Having the mastery goal sets the stage for pursuing the performance goal while still maintaining that growth mindset. This helps you persist in the face of any setbacks you might encounter. In addition to approach versus avoidance and performance versus mastery, goals vary in their degree of difficulty. The difficulty of goals is relevant to each person. The goals that are very difficult for me to achieve might be quite easy for someone else who has different strengths than I do. Though it might be tempting to believe that difficult goals will deter people, research shows that across most situations, challenging goals produce the highest motivation. The only time that challenging goals backfire and are not beneficial is when the person is a complete novice and is first learning to do something. When you are very new to a skill, it is better to simply have the goal of doing your best. Aside from being totally new to something, you should aim for setting goals that challenge you. If you are sitting down to set a health goal and feel inclined to keep the bar a bit low, reconsider whether raising that bar might actually push you forward more. Research indicates that for most people, being challenged helps us rise to the occasion rather than wither under the pressure. Of course, You know yourself better than anyone, and if you know that certain challenges are just too much for you at this time, that is nothing to feel ashamed about. While I do challenge you to challenge yourself, I also endorse having tremendous grace and patience with ourselves, especially after such a hard year. SMART is a common acronym used for how to set the right kinds of goals that increase the likelihood of success. The S stands for specific. The goal should be as specific as possible. For example, instead of setting a goal to practice more relaxation techniques, you should set a goal to spend 20 minutes on relaxation techniques at least three times per week. The M stands for measurable. You want your goal to be something you can measure in order to be able to assess your progress. The A stands for achievable, and the R stands for realistic. Although it is good to challenge yourself, you do want to choose goals that can be realistically achieved. Finally, the T stands for timed. You want to put a time frame on your goal, such as exercising 45 minutes four times per week for one month. If you set the goal to exercise 45 minutes four times per week and it was framed as indefinite, That could lead to quicker burnout. The last aspect of setting goals I want to discuss is the motivation. Previously I discussed self-determination theory and the difference between internal and external motivation. Internal motivation is what I call healthy motivation and it refers to being motivated solely from within for our own personal reasons. External motivation comes from outside us and is rooted in social norms, expectations, trying to meet certain ideals, and so on. We are much more likely to succeed at the goals we set when they come from healthy internal motivation. If we set goals to please others or take on a certain appearance, it is much, much harder to stick with it, especially when the going gets tough. Thus far, we have discussed aspects of setting goals. Before I move on, I want to review the important things to consider whenever you set health goals for yourself. First, start with clarifying your values. Be sure that every step along the way, the choices that you are making align with those values. Next, consider your overall goal intention. Then set your goal choosing one that is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. You can remember these characteristics using the acronym SMART. Be sure your goal is also challenging and framed as an approach, not an avoidance goal, and a mastery, not a performance goal. Lastly, choose goals that come from healthy internal motivation. Once you have set a goal, you have to actually go after achieving it. This is called goal striving. During the process of goal striving, different factors and dynamics become important. You must formulate and execute a plan of attack. Specifically, you need to identify the strategies you will use to achieve your goal and plan how you will deal with opportunities to make progress. For example, let's say based on the value of taking good care of your physical health, you set a goal intention of getting more physical activity. You set a specific goal of engaging in sustained physical activity for at least 45 minutes, a minimum of four times per week for 30 days. Now you have to decide what activities you will choose. You create a selection of workouts that you enjoy most and designate those as your go-to choices. The more details you can designate ahead of time regarding how you will go after your goal, the better. This is called action planning. One of the most important aspects of action planning is figuring out exactly how you will navigate obstacles and setbacks. Researchers call this implementation intentions, but I refer to it as if-then planning. If-then planning involves thinking of the most likely scenarios you will encounter that might put you off track, and then formulating a very specific plan of how you will deal with each situation. Continuing with our example of increasing physical activity, you would identify those situations where you will be most tempted to skip the workout you had planned. For example, perhaps you know that fatigue in the afternoons often leads you to skip exercise. You can plan your schedule to fit workouts in earlier in the day, or if that is not feasible for you, you can plan a less demanding backup exercise, such as gardening or walking around the park. The more of these challenging situations you can identify and the more detailed of a plan you can come up with for each, the more you increase your chances of achieving the goal you have selected. One of the reasons this approach works is because the more we can automate goal-relevant behaviors and the less mental effort it takes to make progress, the easier it is for us to sustain our efforts. If we must navigate each situation as if it were a novel one and make decisions in line with our goals over and over again each day, we easily become exhausted and peter out. But if we spend that mental effort and time in the beginning of our goal process and plan out how we will achieve our goal and navigate difficulties, It becomes a matter of carrying out that plan, which is much less mentally taxing. The more you are able to adjust your environment and schedule to be conducive to goal striving, the greater you increase your likelihood of achieving goals. People often struggle in this because they are not able to identify how they will feel or which situations they will encounter ahead of time. When a person sets a goal, they are focused on the future, and that desirable future outcome drives the choices they make. But when a person is caught up in the day-to-day decisions of goal pursuit, they find themselves focused on the present moment, and it is much harder to be motivated by future goals. This is referred to as shifting construals. For example, when you set the goal to be more physically active, You might envision feeling and looking better. You would associate exercise with positive feelings and good physical and mental health. When the daily decision of following through on that exercise goal comes, your perspective shifts and suddenly the reality of the inconveniences creep in. Exercising requires that we wear the appropriate clothing. It makes us sweaty and we need to shower to resume our normal daily activities. These present-moment aspects of exercise end up overshadowing the long-term benefits you were envisioning when setting the goal, and this presents a barrier to sustaining your efforts. This is another reason why it is very helpful to plan exactly how you will handle these feelings and this situation ahead of time. You make a plan for changing into appropriate clothing and showering afterwards, so that does not deter you. Another important dynamic involved in goal striving is effortful inhibition. This is the process by which we protect ourselves from being distracted or deterred from our goal by doing our best to avoid any thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are contrary to it. Although this is a necessary component of goal striving, it requires a great deal of mental and motivational resources. The less we need to engage in effortful inhibition, the more likely we are to succeed. Some of that is within our control, some of it is not. When possible, we should seek to minimize effortful inhibition to increase our likelihood of successfully achieving our goals. An important part of action planning, then, should include identifying those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors you are going to need to suppress in order to succeed. If possible, try to make any adjustments you can that will enable you to avoid having to engage in that effortful inhibition. For example, if you set a goal to drink fewer sugary drinks It is better to keep those out of the house than to have to try and refrain from drinking them every time you open the fridge. Keeping them out of the house will decrease the number of times you must engage in effortful inhibition. In real life, we do not generally have one single goal that is important to us. We have many goals that we want to achieve simultaneously. Sometimes these goals go well together, but other times they conflict with one another and this creates challenges. Even when goals are congruent, our resources are always limited. A very common example in health is when people set a goal to increase their physical activity and end up sacrificing sleep in order to do so. In reality, both sleep and physical activity are important health habits. Ideally, you would not need to sacrifice one healthy habit in order to pursue another. But in reality, most people do not have the time in their schedules to add in exercise without sacrificing something else. It is very common for that something else to be sleep. It can be tricky to deal with pursuing multiple goals. Trying to accomplish multiple goals simultaneously presents its own kinds of barriers to goal striving. When possible, it is useful to set multiple goals in light of one another so that you can think through how they might help or hinder each other. You can then use where you stand on your values to make choices about priority ahead of time rather than on the fly. Sometimes the goals we set will go well together and one new habit will actually make another one more feasible. For example, I recently started taking a new medication to manage my anxiety. It has proven very helpful. The improved sleep and reduced anxiety has left me with more energy to keep up with regular exercise. Therefore, the way I accomplished my goal of better managing my anxiety actually made it easier for me to achieve my goal of exercising more regularly. At times, it's even possible that you can accomplish multiple goals with one behavior change. For example, if you want to save money on gas and you also want to increase physical activity, you might choose to bike to work and accomplish both goals with this one new activity. Maximizing on these kinds of synergistic behavior changes makes achieving multiple goals much more likely. On the other hand, Many times it is not possible to make progress toward the multiple goals we have at the same time, and we have to make some hard choices. This is when having clarity on our values really comes in handy. If we know which things matter most to us, we can better decide which goals outweigh others. This doesn't mean the choice is easy. Many things are important to us. Even when we know the other thing matters more, That doesn't make it easy to let go of something that we know is important to us. I have an example from my own life. My kids go to bed by around 8.30 PM. In order to get eight hours of sleep, I try to be in bed by no later than 11.30 PM. The things I would like to fit in during those three hours in the evening include spending time with my husband, working on my business, catching up on any projects for the next day or week, Spending time watching my favorite shows and just relaxing and talking with my close friends. It can be really challenging to fit those things in and still get to bed on time and get enough sleep. It can be hard to choose to work on my business when I want to spend time watching TV or hanging out with my husband. Ultimately, I have to work to rotate the various activities in across the evenings so that each is not neglected. To fit all these things in, I do end up staying up late some nights and getting less sleep. However, I am willing to place getting that one hour of sleep at lower priority than time spent with my husband or on self-care or growing my business. Although I do feel better with eight hours of sleep, I also feel better when I get quality time with my spouse and quality time for recreation and quality time spent on my career. So although my goal is to get eight hours of sleep every night, I end up getting seven hours lots of nights because getting enough sleep is not something I value more than those other things. What about all the times people set goals but abandon them? Sometimes this happens rather quickly. The most common example is New Year's resolutions, which people notoriously abandon within weeks or days. How can people stay committed to goals and when should they abandon them? This question becomes even more important in light of the fact that we are always pursuing multiple goals with a very finite amount of resources, including time. Going through the steps laid out so far should increase commitment to goals and increase the likelihood of sticking with them. Following these steps, then, can help you to avoid abandoning goals too early. If you really want to stick with your New Year's resolution, plan ahead and go through all that's been laid out here. Research is much less informative regarding how to identify when it is a good time to disengage from a goal. It can be very hard to know the difference between challenges that we should try to persist through in order to keep moving toward our goal and challenges that indicate our goal is either the wrong one or is truly unattainable. One clue is the emotions you feel when you encounter setbacks. Studies indicate that anger and frustration are indicative of needing greater effort to sustain commitment to a goal, while sadness and depression are indicative of a goal that should be decreased in priority or possibly even abandoned. When it comes to our goals, the most important resources we have are time and effort. This makes scheduling a hugely important aspect of setting and striving for goals. Time management proves to be one of the largest obstacles in the way of achieving goals for many people. The second largest barrier tends to be staying motivated and having the mental and physical energy to consistently follow through, which I refer to as sustaining effort. These two demands of self-regulation good time management, and sustained effort deter many people from setting and striving for goals. Knowing what it will take in terms of those two factors is daunting for most people. It helps to intentionally think about how you will deal with time management and sustaining effort as part of your if-then planning when you create an action plan. A very relevant and recent example for me comes from doing this podcast. Over the past few months as I've worked on this podcast I have also begun to relaunch my business Serenity Health Advising. I'm in the final weeks of homeschooling my kids and I'm trying to get things rolling for the fall when they will be back in public school full-time and I will be able to work full-time for the first time since becoming a mother. It's an exciting time and I'm juggling a variety of goals that are important to me. One of the values I hold most dear is family. And it is very important for me to be extremely active in raising my children. This is why, although I am passionate about the work I do, I chose to stay home and be with my kids until they were both able to be in school full time. My goals for my career were placed at a lower priority because I personally value family over career. But I do have important career goals to use my talents and skills to make a positive difference in people's lives, while also being able to provide financial security for my children. I'm currently in a time of transition, and this creates new demands. I'm trying to use my time well as I approach a new season where I will be able to work on my career goals and the load of parenting will decrease. As the post-pandemic relaunch of my business approaches, I've had to split my time between rebranding, creating more content for social media, and preparing these episodes. Though I love the opportunity to spread information through this podcast, it takes a lot of time and is hard to produce episodes as frequently as I would like to. When I first began this podcast, it was my singular work goal – Everything else had been placed on hold for me to homeschool during the pandemic. As I picked up additional work responsibilities, I reduced the frequency of the episodes I'm producing. These are the kinds of concessions I have to make to go after multiple career goals. This example shows how juggling multiple goals can influence your timeline and how important time management is to success. The only way I can keep making progress on my work goals is to manage my time well and keep at it. To wrap things up, I want to walk through an example, hitting upon all the aspects of goal setting and striving that I've summarized in this episode. Talia is a 35-year-old woman who has recently been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and has been instructed by her physician to make significant dietary changes. How can Talia use goals to increase the likelihood she will successfully achieve this behavior change? First, Talia can start by clarifying her personal values. What things in life are most important to Talia? What does she hold most dear? Some people care most about having a successful career. Others care most about having a close family. Some people care most about living a long life and others care most about having a high quality of life. Most of us value all of these things, but some things will take precedence over others at different times in our lives and across different people. Talia spending time to identify what she values most at this time in her life will help her navigate the decisions needed to achieve her goals in a way that aligns with her values. Talia goes through this process and identifies her two highest values as family and health. Since she does value her health, and she values being around to spend time with her family for as long as possible, she sets a goal intention to change her diet, to manage her diabetes, in order to promote her health and longevity. Now she must go through the steps of setting specific goals that will help her successfully achieve this. Talia is most likely to succeed if she frames her goals in terms of the behaviors she wants to approach rather than the ones she wants to avoid. Especially when it comes to dietary changes, it is really tempting to focus most on the foods we wish to reduce or eliminate. But this places too much emphasis on effortful inhibition and frames the goal in a more negative light. Any dietary goals should be framed in terms of approach as much as possible. For example, instead of saying she will eliminate sugary beverages, Talia sets a goal to drink only water and unsweetened iced tea during weekdays. Although this may seem like semantics, research shows that this kind of reframing increases the chances that she will succeed. Talia should also focus on mastery of skills versus performance and outcomes when possible. For example, instead of setting a goal to eat a certain number of servings of vegetables per day, Talia sets a goal of learning to cook 10 new vegetable dishes over the next month. Focusing on improving the skill of preparing delicious vegetables will keep Talia more motivated then were she to be simply tracking her vegetable intake. If preparing fresh foods was totally new to Talia, research indicates she would be most successful if she set a goal to just do her best. Luckily, she does have some cooking and food prep skills and isn't a complete novice. However, Talia does not really need to worry about setting challenging goals because making the kinds of dietary changes she is aiming for is naturally challenging for her. Talia should also reflect on her motivation for changing. Why does she really want to make this change? Is it because she's scared of the physical aspects of getting sicker? Is it because she values good health? Is it because staying well enables her to pursue hobbies that are important to her? Is it because she fears the financial consequences of getting sick? Is it to please her doctor? Answering these kinds of questions will help Talia clarify the motivations underlying her desire to change. To increase the likelihood of success, Talia focuses on finding a motivation that comes from within her rather than one that is external. She knows that doing this will result in a healthy, sustainable motivation. Since she already clarified that her most important values are family and health, she focuses on the motivation to be healthy in order to have more time with her family and be an active caregiver. She sets her goals with this motivation firmly in mind. Finally, before starting to go after her goals, Talia checks that each is a SMART goal using the S-M-A-R-T acronym. Talia ensures that the goals she sets are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. Her goals are set for a one-month time frame and include drinking only water and unsweetened iced tea Monday through Friday, learning to prepare 10 new vegetable dishes, and getting at least 20 grams of fiber in her diet each day, among others. Now the time comes for Talia to commence goal striving. Talia creates an action plan, including if-then plans for how she can maximize on goal opportunities and avoid distractions and obstacles. For example, Talia decides that if she feels too tired to prepare the new vegetable dish she had planned to learn that day, she would eat a green salad instead. She writes down the specific details of exactly how she will navigate the most common goal relevant situations she experiences day to day. As she goes through this process, Talia closely reviews her schedule and daily habits in order to try and situate things in such a way that her goals feel more feasible and sustainable. When possible, She automates her behaviors, so sticking with her goals will not take as much effort. For example, she prepares several green salads every Sunday, so she can follow through with her backup plan to eat salads when she does not have enough energy to prepare one of her new vegetable dishes. Talia pays careful attention to any situation that would require effortful inhibition, such as when she sees sweets around the house, and she makes choices that reduce the necessity for that. For example, Talia minimizes the number of sweets kept in her home, and she places them in an inconvenient location that requires a stool to reach. Talia also takes into account her other goals when creating her action plan, Talia is also aiming to get more exercise and better sleep because she knows those habits will also help her body function well. She sets those goals and creates those action plans simultaneously so that she can avoid any possible conflicts and maximize on any possible overlap. She also makes a plan to check in with herself once a week in order to assess her progress and how she is feeling. When appropriate, she demotes certain goals and even abandons a few that cause too much conflict with the others, using her personal values as a guidepost. Using these tactics, Talia is able to achieve nearly two-thirds of the goals she set out for herself that month. I hope this example helps connect all the ideas I've discussed today. Goal setting and striving is a complex process, and the more we can be explicit and intentional about it, the better. Research has informed us about many steps we can take to increase our likelihood of success. Even if you are only able to apply a few of these tactics, you will be better off than if you were to wing it. Above all else, the most valuable thing you can do is sit down and clarify your personal values. Being clear about our values helps us thrive across multiple areas of life, and will continually guide you back to setting goals for yourself again and again. That is why it is the number one thing I recommend out of all I have discussed on this episode. That's it for today's topic. I hope you will join me next time when I will be discussing how we access and process health information. I will be highlighting the thinking shortcuts that can lead us to make mistakes, known as cognitive heuristics, and I will discuss ways to find high-quality information and improve your ability to interpret and apply it. I will outline the main sources of misinformation and how to identify information that is questionable. Given the current climate and abundance of bad actors in the health industry, Understanding how to find the right information and knowing the way our brain processes that information is a vital skill for everyone to have. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hella Healthy. Have a hella great day and please remember to be kind.